Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 369 with Ashik Ahmed of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey, Founder Fam, hope you're doing well. Nathan here. Welcome back to another episode. And this is an awesome one. Uh, I hope you're doing well. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to support us and, and listen to this incredible content. We're here to help you however we can. Let's talk about today's guest. His name's Ashik Ahmed, actually an Australian founder. Um, and he's the founder of a company called Deputy. Now, Deputy, basically, they're pegged to be a future tech unicorn. And uh, it's really, really interesting um, what we talk about in this interview. We talk about, like, you know, how to get investors to chase you, um, you know, why founders are like LeBron James, um, what their biggest marketing expense is is been in the you know first seven years and how they bounce back from the pandemic and so much more like I, I really enjoyed this interview the way that Ashik really thinks about growing and scaling a company and just his ideas were absolutely incredible so guys if you are enjoying these episodes please do take the time to leave us a review now that's it from me let's jump in the show the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job, aka how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Um, it's a great story. And this is year 2001. I'm in first year university um, here in Melbourne, Australia. And I didn't necessarily was in the field of 
IT uh, or computer science, but I was studying computer science and I was at my friend's house and uh, my friend's mom knew that I, was, I used to be good with software, computer, <laughs> we're tinkering with lots of different things back in the days. And, and she comes in and asks me, Sheikh, uh, my husband, they're looking for someone with knowledge of SQL. Um, um, you know, do you know it? Do you think you'll be good at this job? And I'm like, what does SQL stands for? I don't know. But what are the chances she knows? She probably doesn't know either. I said, yeah, I'm really good at it. I think I can be really good at it. And uh, she's like, okay, I'll uh, set up a meeting uh, with Chris. Go see him on Monday. I'm like, oh, okay. I then ran out of my friend's house, went to uh, the university, uh, bought a book on um, Oracle, going to my other friend's house, the back in the days used to be dial-up internet, and this friend of mine had cable internet, got him to download the Oracle trial version, put it on a CD, come home, put it in my Pentium, uh, uh, Pentium 2, uh, read the whole book, learned everything, did every exercise, rocked the floor, uh, um, the job interview on Monday, got the job, got a problem that they haven't been able to solve uh, for two months and solved it, and, and that's how it started. And the moral of the story, I said, I say quite often to many people is that if somebody gives you an opportunity, okay, even if you don't know how to do it, you know what, grab it, grab it and make it work. Um, and that's how I got started. And, and quite often as, been, as I have been in my journey, um, the greatest success has always been in areas I had no freaking clue at about what to do. But having that attitude, can-do attitude is what has made a difference. So how did Deputy come about? Like, like when did you start it? How, how did that come about? So uh, the story of Deputy, um, I mean, prior to starting Deputy, I used to work for my co-founder, Steve Shelley. He used to have a small business, which was aviation ground handling, where um, it's basically other than flying and engineering of an airplane, everything else on the ground, like you know, those who unloads the plane, loads the plane in the airport. Like if you ever fly into any airport in Australia, it would be his old company that actually is still doing that service. So it's called all the baggage handling and thing. That's that service. And he he had that this this business. I did not know anything about it. I got introduced to him through a common friend, and I saw all the challenges he was having in that in his business. Uh, when I walked into that business about 2004, there was about 200 people there in about seven different airports here in Sydney. I sorry, here in Australia and really struggled to run the business. Okay, so, and aviation is a very complex business. Okay, it's 24 hours, is, is highly compliant, very militant, unionized. You know, when it comes to workforce management, I don't think the world can get any more complex than what it is in aviation. I mean, the joke we have is 99% uh, boredom and 1% sheer fear. Okay, that's how, that's actually how aviation is done. And um, yeah, um, I came in, I, 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 he, I came to do a, something really, really tiny um, in, a, in a different kind of IT project. And I saw all the challenges he was having in his business. And I, I told him, hey, I can actually really help you. Um, you know, I can build some software to help you. I mean, back then, this is 2004, the world, cloud wasn't around there was no SaaS or anything like that and um 
you know, he took a chance with me. And he, he didn't have anybody doing software, let alone IT in the business. It's a small business of 200 people. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I started building quite a lot of software. And net result was that we were able to, through that software, we were able to scale the business uh, to about 1,400 people um, in space of three years, when it took about 10 years to go from two to 200. Um, and everybody want, like, you know, around us um, was asking that, hey, how come like, you know, you're scaling your business so fast and we are still struggling running that one restaurant or one hairdresser or one shop? Um, even airline customers of um, um, our business was asking that, hey, how can this business run so efficiently and people are so happy in the work they're doing? Um, and yeah, we realized that we have something in our hand which actually removes mundane from all the challenges that comes with shift work and managing people. Um, anyway, I kind of reached my goal with that business. I was leaving and then he tapped me on the shoulder saying that, hey, uh, you know, there might be something here that um, you know, we can take to the world. And I realized uh, I made a difference in one entrepreneur's life. What if I'm able to make that difference in every entrepreneur's life? Okay. What if every Steve had a shake? And uh, that's how the story of Deputy started. We call the product Deputy because uh, it's the second in charge to the business owner. And another name for second in charge is Deputy. Deputy.com was available back then. Even though somebody wanted 160,000 euros, uh, but for GFC, he gave it to us uh, for 30,000 US dollars. And probably that was the biggest marketing expense for first seven years in the history of the company. Um, uh, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. And um, I mean, I've realized in our journey, we're not just the second in charge for the business owner. We're also the second in charge for the employee as well as that of the managers. Mm. Yeah, it's a good name. I'm glad you bought the domain because um, I think it's really powerful. Like same for founder, we spent a lot of money on our domain and it's not even the correct <laughs> spelling. Um, so I'm curious, uh, Deputy is pegged to be a future tech unicorn. Can you explain to our audience what that means? Look, I don't like this term called unicorn. Come on, unicorn... <laughs> don't exist. I don't know. I don't necessarily buy into that kind of thing. You know, end of the day, valuation is also kind of meaningless as far as um, you know, as a focus. It's like aiming to be happy. Okay. Um, I would rather. I would rather. Uh, my primary focus is the impact your work has in this world. Um, our the vision statement of the company. Um, is thriving workplaces in every community. Our mission is simplify shift work. Our vision is thriving workplaces in every community. And, and what we have realized that what this product does as far as helping people schedule really, really well, track people's time well so they can be paid accurately and allow the employee, employer, uh, manager, communication and engagement to happen. When you do that, every workplace turns into a thriving workplace. That's what I um wake up for every morning and if we do good work revenue valuation growth all of those things will look after itself and, and right now there's 264,000 workplaces around the world that is thriving because of deputy and now my goal my immediate goal is uh by 2023 we're going to be in a million workplace yeah amazing 
Well, look, thank you for being open and honest. I wonder every workplace in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Look, thank you for being open and honest. I, I appreciate your candidness there. Um, so can you take us back to like, you know, the first year in business with Deputy? Um, when, when was the moment you knew you were onto something special? I never doubted that we we're onto something special. Okay. Um, I already made that difference for my co-founder. Okay. When I used to work for him. So I, I have always known and always know, still know that we have something very special. And to be honest, uh, the things deputy will do, I, I've written down uh, next 50 years roadmap that deputy will be doing. And I think the, 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 the spark, the fire of deputy will keep burning well beyond my lifetime. So, um, no, I mean, uh, for what deputy does, for what I do, um, I mean, I, I'd never actually, I'm a migrant in Australia. I, I was born in a country uh, called Bangladesh. It's, it's probably um, uh, one fifth the size of California, if I'm getting my maths right, uh, but has half the population of the United States, 160 million people in a really, really tiny area. So, um, not a lot of people get a ticket in life like I do. And um, uh, I never thought of being an entrepreneur or um, um, or, um, or what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, but, um, you know, this ticket that universe has handed to me, there's, yeah, I, I, will, I will, I'll give everything I have in my body, every last drop of blood to ensure that this company and the mission of this company is fulfilled. So, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I, sorry, I'm in a long-winded way. I don't think of something special. I think we are on it. And if not it, there will be something special around the corner. We'll make it happen. It will happen. It has to happen. I can really feel your confidence. Um, can we go like a little deeper? Like talk, talk us more about this 50-year roadmap. Like, because tech changes, like new technologies will like come in. Like, yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah, look, uh, um, I don't want to give too much away in a public. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, a, a podcast in there, but look, I mean, a, the nature of work, um, I mean, if you're interested, if you go to deputy.com, um, there's why deputy to explain what is deputy and, and why, why, why do we do what we do? We basically do three things. Okay. We um, ensure that the right employee is going to do the, do the right job at the right time at the right place. That is all about ensuring that the scheduling, the demand planning is done correctly. The second thing we do is what's known as uh, compliance to ensuring just because you've got the right person in the right place, you need to ensure, um, you know, job is not done. Once they have done the work, you need to ensure that they're remunerated correctly for that work. And the third thing we do is we look after the employee needs, uh, their wants and needs in there. That is what's workforce management is concerned. Our primary audience is people who are shift workers. Who are shift workers, okay? Two-thirds of the working population is shift worker. Shift workers is the barista in your cafe, okay, or the waiter in your restaurant, okay, the uh, first responders or uh, the doctors and nurses in hospital. Those are shift workers. In the white-collar world, they are, we take them for granted, but they're everywhere. They're the one who runs this economy. And for 5,000 years of humanity, since work or labor, or paying for work has existed, be it with um, coin, sorry, gold coins to um, however that has happened in, uh, in a true human history or grains uh, to paying dollars. 
this is, space has just hasn't innovated that much at all. Okay, the, there hasn't not, hasn't been much innovation, and given these um, workers are quite um, you know quite often they're not sitting behind a computer like you and I do. Okay, the tech revolution just hasn't happened. Okay, and the net result of it is, you know, they just keep doing what they're doing. Okay, and um, and um, I see significant opportunity, and that we can deputy as a company can uh, kind of work on to improve these people's lives, to improve the manager's life, to, to improve the shift worker's life, to improve the uh, business owner's life, and and really set them up for success. So uh, I just look, there's so much innovation still to happen. My, my biggest thing that I get frustrated with is that there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah, look, I'm sure many people watching this can resonate with that. Um, you have to be impatient, right? Yeah. Look, I mean, this technology will keep changing, okay? I don't think, you know, you should try to change your business model because of technology is changing. But the way to think about it, in my opinion, is that, hey, this technology evolution that's happening around us, how can we utilize this technology to solve a problem better um, that someone actually is facing right now in their life? Like to build something great is a very easy formula, in my opinion. Okay, it's a very easy formula. It's A times B times C. I've talked about this numerous times. A is solving a very unique problem. B is people you have solved it for, make sure they love you for it. And I really mean the word love. And this is how I would like to define love. If I was to take it away, the A bit away from you, you're gonna beg and cry to get it back. Most people didn't realize what they love until such time it's taken away from there, okay? You can like something, but love is a different nature. And C, is finding more Bs who has A's. A times B times C equals to great business, okay? And for deputy, for next 50 years, for whatever we're doing, there's just so many things that are sitting in the A bucket. Yeah, there's so many things. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that formula. Thank you for sharing. Um, so talk to us then on the flip side around biggest obstacles in the early days and how you overcame them. Biggest obstacles. Look, uh, there is always obstacle. Um, I have a lot of obstacle right now that I'm facing and the obstacles just keeps getting harder and harder and harder. In hindsight, those obstacles I had in the early years are actually so easy. <laughs> I feel like, like sometimes I think about, you know, um, if I was to restart deputy, um, I would get to where I am right now in one third of the time. Okay. simply because of that wisdom. Um, that's why it's so important who you surround yourself with, um, you know, uh, the new blood you bring in, investors, board members you might work with. But if I was to go back early on, and, you know, for any, any, um, any company, anybody, any entrepreneur who's building a product or a service, data software or a hardware or whatever, um, getting to product market fit is probably the most important thing, okay? Um, in a sense that, you know, doing that B bit, Okay, A and B, B, in the sense that you're solving that problem and ensuring who you're solving for, they're gonna love you for it. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a hurdle. <clears throat> it was a hurdle because deputy meant that you have to do uh, some some level of change management to the organization that that is going to use your product. Everybody cannot but not use deputy 
uh, in an organization. That's how I like to think about it. And how do you solve for that adoption? Oh, that, was, that was quite a lot of things. How do, how do we hire people in the organization? That was also um, difficult. How do we scale internationally? There's so many different problems. We're even um, facing a lot of um, uh, challenges right now as we have come out of the pandemic and um, really um, setting the business up for the next set of growth and scale. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. You should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs, people just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. So one thing that um, I'd love to also talk about is for anyone that's watching this now that perhaps has an idea for a SaaS product or an app, um, what would you say to them to bring this to life? It, it will really differ from, you know, based on the idea. But before you have product market fit, I would almost like to think there's an area that's called founder market fit. Like, do you see yourself using it? Okay. Um, and if you're building it for somebody, like, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Uh, everything in every problem in life can be resolved very easily if we all just decided to put ourselves in other people's shoes and see their world as how they see it. So my advice to the entrepreneur um, is, you know, put yourself in their shoes understand the cultural tensions and other things that they might have in their mind and build towards that. Yeah, I see. And what about like biggest mistakes you see early tech founders make? Uh, monkey see, monkey do. I, and I've made that mistake. And I've seen so many other people making that mistake. I see ideas of those kind of things is still getting, you know, um, talked about in my own company. Oh, this is what, Slack has done. This is what Atlassian has done. Okay. We should do that too. I'm like, come on, come on. Their target audience is different than our target audience. They're in a different business in a different country, different culture than we are. Just because it has worked for them doesn't mean that it will work for us. Just because it didn't work for them doesn't mean it's not going to work for us. Okay. We have to study, understand, but do not take that carbon copy kind of approaching that the biggest mistake most entrepreneurs do and and um like you know you've read this in a blog you've read this in a book you've read this in a it was heard it in a podcast that's what such and uh, such and such said and you follow that is the biggest mistake i see people make mm, yeah that's really great advice because it's so easy to just look at the end product of your competitor or a business similar to the one that you're looking to compete with and go oh well you know, 
because uh, you want that sure thing. You want that that certainty. So if we take that feature, um, yeah, no, that's an interesting one. And focus is difficult in the early days, right? Or, or like amongst early founders, you would agree? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, focus is always hard. Okay, I don't think for the, the game of focus is, sorry, the discipline of focus um, will never ever get easy for anybody. Okay, it, it, I mean, and the higher you go, uh, sorry, the bigger you get, the more distracted you get. Um, and um, yeah, um, I think maturity of someone's leadership is something that I've realized. All the great people I ever had the opportunity of working with, or I still work with, something I have realized about them is that how good they are in clarifying, in prioritizing, and then focusing on things. So it's a, it's a skill I think you will learn and you keep fine-tuning till the day you go to your grave. Yeah, I agree. Going, um, going back, everybody has a good idea, right? Like per- perceive, per- perceive. You, something that you talk about always is uh, looking at the data. So how do you balance your gut instinct versus data-led decisions? I look at data to, I, I make my decision with my gut, um, but I use data to validate. I don't necessarily use the data to make the decision. I use data to validate. You're, you, in many cases in life, I think you already know the answer, um, but you, know, you use data to validate and course correct those things in there. Look, I mean, data tells you truth, but data doesn't tell you context. Data will tell you that something is bad or something is good, but it will never tell you why is it bad? Why is it good? Okay. And <laughs> I've realized something uh, um, in, in, in my data journey is that the more answers you get, the more questions you actually come back with. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, a, it's a never ending thing, but no. Um, yeah. Use, use your intuition, your gut. To to make the um, make the uh, make the decisions, but always use data to validate and keep course correcting. You know, intuition and gut can be wrong. Um, in my journey, there's so many things, so many so many experiments that I have done, the company has done, that we have made many many. You know, it was a, a mistake, but um, in 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 some cases we actually when made those decisions because of the data. Um, um, and intuition, but some of the best decisions we have made in the company is also because of the um, you know the gut gut feel we had about you know what this is the right thing to do. The worst decisions have always been monkey see monkey do. Okay, I regret that. I so regret that. A naive me who didn't know things. Okay, and you know trying to grasp knowledge from books, podcasts, things, and other things. Oh, that's what they're doing. Sounds a good idea. I'll try that too. But I never actually applied that first principle myself. To think like, you know, if I do this, you know, let's go to the future and then look back. Okay. That mental model, that takes a lot of energy. That takes a lot of energy. I always ask people this question is that imagine this is uh, June 2022. And we're having this conversation right now. What would you have liked to achieve? What problems you don't want to have? 
what would you like to have achieved? What, what is it the biggest thing that has happened for you or your team or the organization? What story would you like to tell? And that, that kind of mental model forcing you to think that quite often can clarify what is the important thing that you need to focus on. Yeah, I love it. Just moving on, just around, uh, you know, you guys did the biggest Series B capital raise in Australian history. Can you walk us through that process? What was that like? What's well, again, <laughs> the biggest capital raise and things. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily look at it that way. Um, no, I mean, once again, I think in, you know, we were doing really great work. Um, we were making an impact. Um, our customers, our users love our product. There was massive level of customer um, positive feedback about what we were doing and what you know the market, the investors knew about it and they wanted to be part of that uh, part of the story and help us get to our um, you know um, destination and complete uh, complete the mission of this company. So I mean the the process. Look, capital raising for anybody who is a, and I get quite often a lot of questions from other, uh, you know, uh, other people who are early in their journey in terms of starting a business and ask me about capital raise. I, I always tell them capital raise is um, really, really distracting. If you're capital raising, you're not actually focusing on building your business. And you don't want to chase the investor. You want to have the investor chase you, okay? Don't follow money, be followed by money. Don't follow money, be followed by money. And how do you get followed by money? Is by making great impact, okay? Of your product, of your service. So yeah, uh, like talking about the process of fundraising, um, it's a, <laughs> um, in lack of a better word, uh, Fundraising are quite pain in the butt. Okay, it's a you know it, it's 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 really um, you know there's a lot of money involved. Um, I mean, there's a joke that you know you can divorce your husband or wife, but you can't ever divorce your VC. Okay, um, yeah, a lot of emotion and other thing also involved. Um, so uh, very painful. Um, it's a good validation point, but once again, you know what. It's just a step in that in our journey. So it sounds like for you guys, you weren't necessarily looking to raise capital in many ways. Um, so, what advice would you have to founders that that are looking to stay bootstrapped or trying trying to stay bootstrapped? Like, what, what's your opinion there? No, my my opinion is you can definitely remain bootstrapped. Okay, there's a lot of great companies who have remained bootstrapped and done very very well for a long long time. Like, you know, Melchin, hello, like, you know, done so well. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I don't see that as capital raising. The money is the cheap part. What do you really want is partners. Somebody, the money is just a price they're paying. Um, it's the ticket price they're paying to be on the bus. The money you're raising, that's just a ticket price. Someone's going to pay to be on the bus. But who do you have next to you? Who is helping you? Who is guiding you? And I would highly recommend, you know, choosing people not because of the size of the check they're paying, but because of their belief 
in your purpose, your mission, and what they will do to help you to get there. Okay, and their wisdom, like you know, uh, now I have some of the best. I, I love who I have as partner, like OpenView, IVP, SquarePeg, and there's so much I have learned from Dan Demar, uh, from Eric Eric Love, IVP, or Paul Wasser at SquarePeg. Um, you know, um, that has significantly helped me, um, you know, be better at what I do and what decisions I need to make for the organization. Awesome. Well, look, Ashik, we'll work towards wrapping up, conscious of time. Got a couple more questions for you, and then we'll go to the hot seat round. Um, one thing I'm curious around is uh, I've seen you write about uh, Bitcoin and, uh, you know, this idea that uh, in the future um, you, you think that uh, people might be paying their employees in Bitcoin Um is, is that something that you guys are doing right now at Deputy? And I'd love for you to talk a, a little bit about that. It's definitely somewhere in that 50-year roadmap. Okay. <laughs> However, uh, where that is, I won't be going into, uh, going into that. But now, look, I mean, I see a world that where this will happen. It will have to happen. Okay. Now, I mean, Bitcoin is one thing, but it's more like blockchain is probably, but anyway, Bitcoin is pretty much driven by hype at the moment. I don't actually see that being the currency model, okay? The valuation of Bitcoin is determined by what somebody else will pay for it, okay? There's nothing underlying to it. Um, but rather, like, you know, the whole cryptocurrency framework, the blockchain framework is truly revolutionary in my opinion, okay? It's, it's, it's a great solution. It just has to have the right problem attached to it. Okay, and throughout human history, there has been a lot of cases that we had that had a solution. We just didn't have a problem to attach to it. Like you know, the biggest one I always uh, talk about is in the early 1500s, 1600s, or throughout the history of mankind, um, we were fascinated with prime numbers. Okay, um, uh, and like what's the largest prime number? And everyone was competing to find the largest prime number. And it's like, uh, if you're in maths in the 1700s or 1800s, you'd go like, you know, that's just rubbish. Why am I wasting my life trying to find the largest prime number? But now it is the most useful thing. Prime number drives all things crypto um, as far as internet banking and SSL certificate that's concerned, okay? So finally it found the right problem to attach itself to this, this, this solution of largest prime number. And I think that's what will happen with, with uh, uh, blockchain as well as any other cryptocurrency. I don't know whether it's Bitcoin or not, but it will happen. It has to happen. We will live that life. I'm curious as well, what's your advice to an entrepreneur who might feel like they have a strong idea, but they're really struggling to communicate their vision to their team? First of all, uh, vision without execution is hallucination. Okay. <laughs> so you have to from a struggle perspective, you have to complete that. And, and look, I mean, I've struggled that myself. I'm, I'm, English is not my first language. I didn't even see a computer till I came to Australia, okay, at the age of 16, 15 or 16. So um, yeah, uh, communication can be, it's hard, like you know, where English is not your first language. But if English is your first language, I don't, I don't see why that should be kind of, hard but if you're finding things difficult uh, i would always recommend working with coaches okay i work with 
I have executive coach that I work with and they really help me, um, you know, identify what my um, weakness is and, and work on it. I, I know a lot of people, okay, um, some of the most successful, um, uh, biggest public company CEOs, um, you know, we all work with coaches, okay? Because when you're playing the game in the field, it's really hard to know how well you're playing, okay? And then you have your shareholders, you know, public market throwing rocks at you if you did something wrong. A coach is somebody who sits at the grandstand and they will give you feedback but based on nothing but the absolute best interest of you. Okay, so if you're struggling, be it communicating of your ideas, be it whatever challenges you might be facing, I, I highly recommend um, you know, working with a coach. There's, there's a... It's just like sports. Every sport, you know, doesn't matter whether you're LeBron James, LeBron James, or you know, um, Lewis Hamilton. They all work with coaches, okay, to be really the very best they can be when they're playing their sport. Being CEO, being a founder, is like being a high-performing athlete. The game over here is making decision, and part of that decision is communicating that decision. Yeah, no, that's gold. Um, look, one last question. Uh, finally, if you could go back to the beginning in 2008, uh, what's the one thing you would have done differently? I would have gotten out of my comfort zone. And let me, let me put it this way, what I mean by comfort zone over here. Obviously, starting a business means you're already out of your comfort zone, but there's comfort zone on what do you think you are good at and what do you think you're not good at. Like, I thought I'm not good at sales and marketing things. So we're going to hire somebody who's going to look after that. I love product and I'm going to just fix it on product. And anytime I had to do anything for sales and marketing, I would find that very, very uncomfortable. Um, 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 I'm an introvert myself. So that also makes it hard. Uh, but you got to get out of your comfort zone. I would get out of my comfort zone. I would start speaking with. Um, my advice to all entrepreneurs and even to the um, younger version of myself is that no one's gonna come and build your business for you. You have to do it. Get out, get off the, get off the fence. Awesome, thank you for sharing. Well, look, a um, couple minutes left. We've got something we call the hot seat round. It'll take 30 seconds. We want 30 seconds per question. So we'll be able to finish right on time. Um, if you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, two, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. What's one app or service that came out that you thought, I wish I'd done that? Well, to be told, it's deputy, but I don't think I, I, I ever, ever, ever think of that. No, I, I already have it, deputy. What's one trait every entrepreneur needs to find success? Courage. All right, last one. Which cryptocurrencies are you betting on long term? I none to be honest. No, none to be honest. It's all hype at the moment. There's going to be a massive crash. Things will go through, but there will be a phoenix that will rise out of all the chaos. Well, look, Ashik, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got a hard stop. We'll we'll wrap there. But uh, that was awesome. Thank you uh, for just yeah being extremely reflective really open, honest, vulnerable, and, and just, yeah, really great at articulating your answers. Really appreciate it. It's going to help a lot of founders. Thank you very much, Nathan. I've listened to some of your podcasts. I'm a fan as well. So uh, great work on what you do. So keep doing it, mate. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. 
As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.